Our first reading is from the book of Acts, the second chapter. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all those things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. And how is the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him? But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, 
and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And we can... The text for the message is again from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 29. Let me reread those words again. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. This is our Confirmation Sunday, and we should all think carefully about our relationship with God. Sometimes people can be a little hasty in judging one another and questioning our faith. I don't want to do that, but that has happened to me in my past life at least twice. I remember vividly as a high school kid going to the Illinois State Fair, and there was a booth, and there were some young people my same age handing out Christian tracts, and I wanted to encourage them and thank them for what they were doing. I thought that was a great thing. He asked me about my church, and as soon as uh, the word Lutheran came out of my mouth, his face dropped, and he assured me, because I had not been baptized properly, that I was not a true Christian. Later on in college, a man from the inner varsity ministry came to talk to me, and he asked me about my relationship to the Lord, and I told him about my faith. I told him about going to church every Sunday, an adult Bible study, and, and a college Bible study on Monday nights. But when I accidentally used the word religious to describe myself, he too had doubts about my salvation. He was concerned that I had not made what he called a decision for Christ. The first man did not understand the doctrine of baptism. The second man did not understand the doctrine of conversion. But my how times have changed. That was many years ago. Today I think the opposite is actually happening. The name Christian is pasted on just about every possible false doctrine we could imagine. The denial of creation, the denial of hell, the denial of the inspiration of Scripture, the denial of life from conception to its natural end in death, the denial of marriage and its boundaries, the denial of our personal responsibility and need for work, the denial of our stewardship, that we can manage the things we work for so that we can be generous to other people, the denial of the character of a person in favor of their color of their skin. These are false teachings that are often said to be part of the Christian faith, but they really are not at all. So how do we know when we are true Christians? Well, this sermon, this is actually the first sermon of the New Testament. It came about on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus had risen from the dead. Peter, the apostle, stood up to preach. 
And in that sermon, he clearly answers the question, how do you know you are a Christian? And we'll add another question to that and answer it as well, which is so important for this Confirmation Sunday, and that is, how do we continue to be a Christian? But the first question, how do we know that we are true Christians? Peter's sermon begins with a recognition, first of all, of the triune God, and he uses the Old Testament to do so. He quotes, first of all, from the prophet Joel, who promises there will be a last day and the Lord himself will judge the world. To save us from the Lord's wrath, Joel also talked about the Spirit, my Spirit, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Then Peter moved on to the book of Psalms, chapter 16, and there referenced the Holy One of God, the one who would be raised to the right hand of God. This was none other than the Messiah. This is Jesus, our Savior. So to begin with, true Christians follow that God, the true God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Peter clearly portrays him before us, even in the words of the Old Testament. But knowing this is certainly not all. Even the devil knows this, of course, and does not believe. There's two more things that are very important, and Peter clearly, again, teaches those to us in this sermon. He says, you crucified Christ. This is a sharp example of the teaching of the law in the Bible. And he's not directing these words just to the people of Israel, but to all of us. All who have disobeyed the Lord in thought, in word, in deed, to the slightest in our eyes or to the greatest extent, it doesn't matter. These things are what put Christ on the cross. And even if we had only done one sin, this is how badly human beings often discount the seriousness of their sin. Even if we had only committed one sin, Jesus still would have had to die for that one sin for us and for our salvation. That is how serious this problem is. We have all crucified Christ with our lives and our misbehavior and our lack of faith and trust in Him. Peter explained this and preached this powerfully to those who were listening. And then the next thing happens. They were, as Luke describes it, cut to the heart. Literally in Greek, they were stabbed in the heart by these words. And this is where we really begin to realize what a true Christian is. A true Christian is a person who is stabbed in the heart when they realize who Jesus is and what he has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection. True Christians are those who repent of their sins, as Peter called them to repent. And we do this all through our lives not just once in a while, but every day. True Christians are those who are not afraid to say, I am a poor, miserable sinner. Paul, at the end of his life, did not say, I used to be or was the chief of sinners. He says, I am the chief of sinners. It's important for us to be cut to the heart in that way. That's one of the signs of a true Christian. But again, the knowledge of the Trinity, the repentance and being cut to the heart is still not all. Even if we walked around every day saying, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, that wouldn't make us Christians. 
They asked Peter and the others who were with him that day, what must we do? Peter responded by saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These are almost the exact same words that Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer when he asked the very same question. Simply repent and believe. And how beautiful and how powerful that is. Think of it. How beautiful and powerful it is when we ask one another for forgiveness and it is given to us. When we tell our spouse, I'm sorry, and he or she says, I forgive you. When parents tell their children, I'm sorry, and children forgive their parents. And when children tell their parents, I'm sorry, and parents forgive their children. When we perhaps have not treated our friends in the best way possible, and we say, I'm sorry, and they say, it's okay, don't worry about it. And they do not hold that against us. These are beautiful things, as we all know. But now multiply that infinitely when we think about the same thing when it comes to the Almighty God, the God that Joel was talking about with such threatening words, the one who will come on the last day to judge and to shake this entire world down. That is the same one who comes to bring forgiveness to us through his Son. Jesus is death on the cross was kind of a very unique and special judgment day and had all the trappings of judgment day itself with cosmic upheaval above and beneath him and that was a judgment day for us for our salvation for our forgiveness and that realization is what has transformed so many countless lives in this world and throughout all of human history bullies have been changed through repentance and forgiveness to become protectors, liars to truth seekers, slobs to providers, haters to lovers. This is what it means to be a Christian, first of all, to be brought to repentance, to be cut to the heart because of our sins and realize how serious they are and to realize how beautiful and powerful God's love is for us and his forgiveness of our sins. So on this confirmation weekend, I also want to stress, how does this all continue? It wouldn't be good enough for us to think about this just for today or for a few years of our lives, but for all of our lives to the very end. The word confirmation means to affirm along with. That is to affirm the truth and our faith in the Christian teachings and promises of God's word along with all the other Christians who have lived in the past and who are living with us in the present. And that word firm is very important. There are many other passages in the Bible that stress the importance of that firm foundation that God wants us to have in his word and in his son, Jesus Christ. I knew a pastor who on Confirmation Sunday, in his particular church, he had 14 candles, seven on each side of the altar. And on that particular Sunday, every year, he left one candle unlit on each side of the altar. At first, and for newcomers, this was a little disconcerting. It was a small thing, but it was quite obvious. Why are two of those candles not lit when they obviously all should be lit. 
He would explain in his message the reason for the unlit candles is that though there were a number of people who were affirming their faith that day in that church, he knew from past experience that some of them would fall away. This is exactly what happened in the New Testament as well. We all are very well aware of what happened to Judas who betrayed the Lord, but there were others. Paul talks about these men who made a shipwreck of their faith, and those two were just examples. There were others as well. So concerned was Paul for this problem that he specifically charged Timothy, one of the first pastors of the Christian church, to take up this battle and to fight the good fight, to help people stay steadfast in their faith. And it is a difficult battle, and it is a hard thing. And there are some who will fall away, but we have God's strength with us as well. And we're going to think especially about that tonight. I have in my backpack, I carry it around with me, this compass. Now, uh, I don't really hardly ever use it. I mean, with cell phones and mapping apps and things like that, pretty hard to get lost these days, actually. But if this thing went out, and if I found myself in very unfamiliar territory, no recognizable landmarks, completely lost, I guarantee you this thing could come in really handy. And this could make all the difference for me. But the reason I carry it around with me especially is because for me it symbolizes something very important. It symbolizes for me God's Word, that Word which guides me in my life. I like to remember these four letters, L-R-B-O. To me, they stand for listen, repent, believe, obey. When the world shoves us around and draws us away from the Lord with trials and with temptations, I need that firm ground. I need something to guide me. I need something to hold me to the Lord. And that is His Word. And it begins, first of all, of course, with my listening to that Word, continuing in worship, in Bible study, in personal devotions and personal prayers. Listening is where everything begins. Paul says, faith comes by hearing. And so we listen to the Word of God. This is how we continue to be Christians. L, R. R reminds me of repentance because that is one of the things the Word of God always does. It brings us to repentance. It leads us in back in the right direction. In fact, the word repent means to turn, to turn back. And we're constantly making those little adjustments in our lives as we drift and then return back again to the good path that the Lord is leading us along. L-R-B, to believe. To believe that that turning back is a reality. It's something that God wants and He makes happen. For a Christian, though we make mistakes, though we sin, though we fall short of the glory of God, We also have the joy in our hearts that every day is a new beginning. Every prayer is a new beginning and a new opportunity to walk in the ways of the Lord. We can believe that God makes that happen because that's what His Son Jesus Christ came for. And that's what His life was all about. Just remember all of the people who were turned by Him 
back to the Lord. He is exact, doing that exact thing to us as well today as we listen, as we repent, as we believe, and as we obey to continue and strive and set good goals and make good decisions and always try to walk in the ways of the Lord. I will be telling the confirmation students in their special service tomorrow at 12 noon that as they take up that lifestyle, L-R-B-O, listen, repent, believe, obey, it will bless their lives immensely. They'll make mistakes. Bad things will happen. That's what happens on any battlefield. And we live in a world that is a complete spiritual battlefield. And yet, by following in that way of the Lord, we can look back someday and realize how God was leading us and how he was taking us to this good goal, the good goal of being with him, being with all the saints, and being in a world and in a way that is without sin forever and ever and without the constant effects of sin, especially death. I want to conclude the message with Peter's assurance. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. We're here tonight because God has called us. That's what Christian conversion is all about. It is the work of God and of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we can be thankful for that. But God's work of calling still continues. There are many who are afar off. On that Pentecost Sunday, 3,000 people were called to that Christian faith. Tomorrow we celebrate 13 called to that Christian faith. And there are many, many others that will be happening in many other churches all over the world every Sunday and every day. People being drawn to Christ by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. And that is a confirmation that God is doing this, has done it, and will continue to do it. It is the confirmation to us that there are always going to be people cut to the heart and brought to repentance, baptized and forgiven, and strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the truth of God's Word. How do you know you are a Christian? When you are called to repent and to believe, to obey, and to follow Him in His ways. In Jesus' name, amen.